Hey there, folks. Once again, we have returned. It's episode 109 of the Uticast, and this week we are talking with Carl Merrick Jr. of the local Farm to Table. Uh, also this week, we're discussing uh, the return to prominence of O.J. Simpson, famous in four decades. Good good for him. Uh, we're also talking about Sean Spicer and his love of mini fridges. We're talking about, ugh, Claudia Penny. Uh, we're talking about history lessons. We're talking about Michael Phelps racing a shark. And of course, we're talking about Microsoft Paint. Rest in peace. All that and more, folks. Episode 109 of the Uticast. We're happy you're here. Episode 109 of the Uticast. Uh, Heather, welcome yeah. back. How are Hi, you? Hi, good. How you been? I feel like I haven't good. seen you for for some reason. It feels like a longer time since this episode. I know. Every time I go, I go. I, go, I should come over like maybe another day during the week because I feel like it's like a year between every. We're always day. here. You never come over. We always want you to come hang out. You never ever do. I should. I can. As long as I can bring Kaz over. Then, oh, of course you can bring Kaz. Then I'll come over. You said Kaz first. We have <laughs> we have lots of toys for a house full of grown men. Love actually, all the like wrestling, all the wrestling stuff, <laughs> stuffies that you have in here. Uh, and of course, Kevin Sullivan also here once again. Also here, can't get rid of me. I, no one's trying, at least not yet. Try, please, try. <laughs> try harder. I need a cause to fight against. <laughs> Start trying to push me off the show so uh, I can fight back. I'll see what I can do about that. Uh, I, of course, am Sam Pamelaro. I'm here all the time. I'm always here. <laughs> all the time, every so like, time. Let me ask you a question. If I was not here for a week, would you guys be able to do the show without me? Like, could you... Um, if you were to give me access... To the computer. <laughs> Access. <laughs> and if you were to walk me through your editing shortcuts, yeah. Yeah. We could do it. Probably. Make it work. Wouldn't it wouldn't be as fun. Yeah, oh, it's, thank you very We'd miss out on all those yeah. dope history facts. Yeah. <laughs> you guys would the interview. Maybe you're trying to rush us. <laughs> hey, you know, we got to get done. We're on a time limit here. The big boss is telling me we got to speed it up sometimes. Uh, no. <laughs> we have... Are you thinking about leaving us for a week? <laughs> no, I'm just curious. I never go on vacation. I never go anywhere. Last I time thought I... about that, though. With vacations, I've been like, oh, well, I can't can't be gone Monday. I know. We've I gotten around so. it in the past before. No. Nah. New York City, we went on a vacation we, together. Because we were there together with the equipment. I mean, we could always record it. What would you do if I was off? If I, like, say I was taking vacation and I was like gone. like two weeks? I mean, what, for a week. Say you couldn't... I mean, I'd probably... Would we just record it three days ahead of time? Or would if you we just could, plug it, somebody else in? The only person we could plug in was probably Cliff. Basically, I want to know is who do you think can replace me? I mean, Cliff could do, like, oh, 70... Oh, You can tell GFOP Cliff Montoni I said this. You can put Cliff in and he can do 70% of what you do. Mm. Uh, if you want to... Just to give Cliff, That's fair. Just to, like, Cliff... You're replaceable. Yeah, 70% yeah. replacement. Says the, this says the third. <laughs> third, the third, 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 third <laughs> yeah, you. Ne- next week, it will see, be. <laughs> I think that Heather should be the one pushing you out because if she pushes you out, then she's not low person the totem pole anymore. That's true. You could be. I could be that's, true. <laughs> that's true. That's true. You gotta to get. Go. Gotta get. I'm, you know, I'm too much. I'm too much of a meathead to be I on the show. So, so you know what I mean. Like, get somebody in here with some opinions, some facts, some knowledge. 
Heather, how I'm was your start, weekend? I'm going to start the fire cabin hashtag. Like, <laughs> Heather, how was your weekend? Did I you did. go on I went and saw some old friends from high school, and then, yeah, we oh. took Kaz on a... High school uh, reunion? Kind of like one. <laughs> it wasn't a proper high school reunion. You didn't no, go to, like, wasn't. your actual high school no, reunion. No, I still have a couple more years before my 20th, so... <laughs> did you go to your 10th? No. I didn't go to mine. I didn't. I, I didn't still want to. I went to mine, and it was so much fun, and I had such a good time, and good it was so you. lovely to see everybody, and I did not think it was going to be that way. But it was. Really? I think yeah. the 20th will be a little bit better. Maybe I might miss some people. So. 10th is fun because, like, not everybody's really married yet. And even the ones who are married don't have kids. So, yeah. like, people are still... Like, it got messy towards the end of the night. It was a... It was... Everybody was going pretty hard at the 10th anniversary. You had a small class, though, didn't you? That's what I'm saying. That's what makes it When you have cool. a class of, like, a lot, it's not... Yeah. Oh, my, like, like this guy. Yeah, my, my, my graduate class is, like, 80 and change. Yeah. yeah. So it was cool. Well, I'm actually, I'm talking with somebody who's getting a Proctor reunion together to try to do with the brewery. It's 500 and... And she's like, can we get, like, the lot that you do concerts in? Yeah. Because I think we need it. Yeah. yeah. Dude, the pro- my graduating class was, like, above 500 kids. Yeah. So I would go to my 10-year reunion and literally not know... 70, 80% of the people. You yeah. probably had more kids in your graduating class than I had in my entire school. And my yeah. school was maybe not more because I had 7 through 12 at my high school. Yeah. But still. Yeah. Mm. But 500. That's insane. Kev, you had a big weekend. You guys, you were at Get the Let Out this weekend. How was that? We had the Get the Let Out concert on Friday. It was amazing. Oh. It was so cool. I got to... So actually, I'll tell you a funny story from that that I don't think I got a chance to tell you because oh, I, I got like home it. so late that night. Um, so normally when we have concerts at the brewery, in between the set break or before the headlining band comes on, Fred Matt goes up on stage and give, and does a toast. Sure. He goes up, just, you know, thanks for coming, thanks to the band, thanks for everybody working, enjoy the beer, this and that. And he wasn't able to make this concert, so the toast fell to me. I'm the next man on the totem pole. So in between, Get the Let Out played like a you know, hour and a half set, took a quick break, and then came back for another hour and a half. And in between, I had to go up and do the toast. So I went up there, and I'm in front of this big crowd. I had, like, you know, 1,500 people, something like that, and everybody's drinking. So I went up to make the toast, and it was cool. I don't mind being in front of a crowd, getting a microphone. It was great, but I was wanted to make sure I hit all the points. So I get up there, and I'm uh, the show's on, and people are cheering, and it's, it's going really well, and I can tell that, you know, I'm hitting all the points, and I'm working the people, and I'm like, you know, so I thank everybody I got to thank. I go through everything, and I, you know, I yell the band's name. They come back on the stage. As they're coming back on the stage, I realize in my haste to make sure I hit all the points I had to hit, I forgot to actually do a toast mm. during the toast. <laughs> so, like, I went up there and I forgot to have everybody raise their glass and, like, you know, cheers to the show in the night. Yeah. So I did everything else that I was supposed to do in the toast besides the actual toast. Classic. And I realized that the second I turned around <laughs> and the band was coming on stage and the singer took the microphone, I'm like, ah. Ah, well, get them next time. Yeah. <laughs> but the show was great. Uh, we had a cool turnout. Um, everything was really good. Man, I'm telling you, if anybody's even remotely one quarter of a Led Zeppelin fan, you've got to go see those guys because they're perfect. Mm. They're perfect. It's crazy. We were bummed. We were we had the baby in the back of the car, and we're just driving mm-hmm. down Varick, like, all sad face, like, can't go to this tonight. Oh, well, that looks like that's probably fun. <laughs> Kaz, scumbag. I, I, I saw that you put you're interested in the event, but you're not going. Uh if uh, if I sound a bit haggard today, it's because I'm on the back of a pretty chock-full weekend. My wonderful sister and her two children from Chicago are in town. They're in town from Chicago. Is that Chicago accent? I don't know. I, don't I, don't know. Know. I didn't know they had an accent. I was, oh, they got an accent. Like that from, oh, like, yeah. the Bears. Yeah, there you go. Right, That's it. There's my Chicago accent. Got it. For you. Um, <laughs> she's in town, so I got to see my niece and nephew, which is a lot of fun. I don't get to see them very often. My other niece and nephew. Uh, we had the Franklin Square film series on Saturday night. Watched Independence Day. Uh, it was cool. Shout out to all the people who liked the video that we made for it. That was hysterical. Um, it was a lot of fun. 
Uh, I, I, I didn't, love that video. I love the end. <laughs> I didn't, can I tell you? All right, so I, I'll, I'll say one thing about that, right? So <laughs> we did that video, and our director, TK, right? We love TK. Everyone loves TK. He's been in the show twice. TK's the best. Um, so he... Him and I are big Twin Peaks fans, so when we were talking about things to do for this this film, and we filmed a lot of stuff, he said, I really want like a long, unnecessarily long, uncomfortable shot of just you guys doing something. Like, just eat that hamburger. And his whole stage directions for that would just eat that hamburger and finish the burger. And I was like, word. So that was the whole scene. And I'm fast forwarding a little bit, and I'm like, is something gonna... No, that's what everyone wants. Everyone liked that part, because they're like, is something gonna happen? I'm like, no, I finished the hamburger. That's the end of it. It's the whole sequence. Um... <laughs> No, we had a great time for Franklin Square Film Series. Uh, I want to say it's August 19th will be our next one. I think it's the 19th. I think is what they yeah, said. Uh, and that'll be Wally, which is the first Franklin Square Film Series film that I've actually never seen. So that should be interesting. Oh, there you go. Never seen Wally. Um, but we, I got to tell you, if you guys liked the video we did for this one, we have an idea for this upcoming video. Oh, do we? Oh, dude. <laughs> Dude, I can't even... I, it's going to be next level. I'm very excited. Um, oh, and I want to say one thing. Did you see that TK adopted a cat that night? I did not. Yeah, we found... You know how we found Charlie the cat? Yeah. At, you know, at Dale Creek? And we named him Charlie after UC, right? Yeah. Uh, so they found a cat at the Franklin Square Film Series, a lost cat. TK ended up bringing it home. He's holding it until they can find the owner. But for now... He has a new cat named Franklin. So Nobody's claiming a cat. Nobody claims no. cats. So he's got a new cat named Franklin now, who's a star of Instagram. So there you go. That's sweet. All right, that's enough. You guys ready to get into the news for this week? Do it up. Here we are. Okay. Uh, so this was the biggest news story of the week, it seemed like, according to my resources. Uh, O.J. Simpson wins parole uh, after he tells his hearing in Nevada that he's basically lived a conflict-free life. I want to let that Sorry. sink in. Sorry. <laughs> Killed two people. Yeah, besides, you know, the two... All the murdering. You know, and also, you know, he played in the NFL, which is particularly violent, and also the uh, the burglary that he was involved in in 2008, uh, which saw him go to jail for initially 33 years, what he was sentenced for. Do you know what the most shocking part about his parole was for me? What? Learning that he's 71 years old. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I read that. I'm like, wait, what? Shocking. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, how I much mean, time has gone by? I guess it makes sense, it but was. still... Yeah. 71 seems so old. It is. And what's wild to think about is that O.J. Simpson just continues to be famous. He's been famous for like four decades now. He was famous for football in like the, the 70s, and then he was famous for movies in the 80s, and then he's famous for murder in the 90s, and now he's famous for the 20-year anniversary of his murder, which everyone's suddenly fascinated with again. So like the dude has been famous for like longer than almost anybody besides Bob Hope. You right? talk like, about you talk about diversifying your career. Diversifying. <laughs> First you're a running back, then you're a murderer, now you're an armed robber. Like it's now you're on parole. I'll tell you what, that guy can do it all. Um, <laughs> so in 2008, he he was sentenced to 33 years in prison for an armed robbery that he took place in Las Vegas. Uh, he served nine. He'll serve nine years of that 33. Years. Do you know what the crazy part is about that armed robbery? He it was, was in his now? own stuff. He though. was going. He was going into because he was talking about when he was doing it like he thought somebody was selling his memorabilia and not giving him his cut and so they're like yo let's go get this guy and then he asked one of his guys like you know we got a gun somebody had a gun so the charges get very serious when you have a gun but it's crazy that like he went to jail for breaking into a hotel room to, to steal, steal his own stuff. like his own autographed 
stuff. <laughs> it's just such a bizarre. What a what a bizarre tale that guy's life has been. I don't um, think he's done yet either. No, for right, sure. He's 71. I, I think he's done. No, well, I think he's going to do some more mischief. Well, they asked him what he's going to... Because he, you know, in the parole hearing, they have to ask you, like, what are you going to do in terms of generating income for yourself, like, going forward? And do you want to know what his, his, he said? Mm. He might write a book, or he might start a podcast. So welcome. <laughs> if you want to join the Uticast <laughs> podcast. So we can now officially call O.J. Simpson our colleague? I'd like to know how <laughs> he's he- a my colleague, O.J. Simpson. <laughs> How much money does he think in podcast right now? Well, do you remember when he wrote the oh, book? Oh, we just don't give you any of the money. Me and uh, Sam are both rich I, on I make show. lots of money. Uh, no, well, do you remember when O.J. wrote was going to write the book about if yeah, he called, did if it? If I did it? If I did it? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That's the Donald Trump level of, like, uh, of being like, uh, oh, I'm just going to pardon my, everyone I know. Well, if you pardon them, that means that you know they're guilty, brah. So maybe you shouldn't just pardon everybody. I think uh, we'll cut Heather in on some of all this podcasting money we make whenever we get some of this sweet, sweet headband money. Yeah, this she's sweet, rolling in. Yeah, this topping tree headband money. Um, she's rolling in the headgear dollars. Uh, net neutrality update. The FCC this week got flooded with 9 million consumer comments across their different uh, comment boards. In a world full of a lot of scumbags, the FCC is towards the top of that list. Yeah, this is the new record for most comments they've received about something. Uh, They put out a statement basically saying, we are working diligently on ignoring all of your comments and requests. So, (laughs) thank you. Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say very briefly to every single person whoever hears this, if you don't know what net neutrality is, you don't understand it, you only hear the term, read about it and learn about it because it's super, super, super important. Yeah, sneaky one of those. I'm not gonna get into it, but like it's wildly important. You won't be able to watch Netflix anymore unless you pay extra money. Oh, you see that'll get the people. The millennials are listening now. That'll get the people. All right, it's time for this week's political updates. Uh, you guys ready? Uh, Trump is still here. He's still very unpopular. See, I thought this was going to be the week. <laughs> nope, nope, he's still here. Every week I'm hoping um, we talk about Are you enjoying the weird little side beef that's growing with him and Jeff Sessions? I am we talked very about. much enjoying that. He is preparing to fire Jeff Sessions oh, while Congress God. is at recess so that he can appoint somebody without them being confirmed because he needs to find a crony who will fire Robert Mueller. I feel like firing Robert Mueller is the... One of the worst ideas he has. Like, really, like a terrible idea. It'll go very poorly for him if he makes that choice. It will go very poorly. Uh, I do have some political stories that aren't about Trump, though, for the most part. That would be so great. All right, cool. Cool. That would be so Uh, stellar. So, uh, (laughs) professional talking piece, uh, Sean Spicer resigned this Friday, um, which is dope. Now, (laughs) I gotta ask you this question. Did you expect this? I feel like I sort of felt like the Spicer thing was coming. It's been coming. I'm surprised He's, it took this looks long. Looks like a ticking time bomb the whole time. Mm-hmm. So, Now, I don't like anything about the Trump administration for the most part. There's nobody with the exception of Linda McMahon who I don't have a, a hard negative opinion about. Uh, but are you going to miss Sean Spicer in terms of content? He was pretty good for like laughing I'm, at content. Yeah, I'm going to miss that part for sure. I'm going to miss Melissa McCarthy on yes. SNL. Yes. Do you think that that played into it at all? I heard rumors that they would talk. They would refer to him as Melissa McCarthy. They were very, that's what. Uh, that's what somebody. I can't. One of these. One of these idiots. Hmm. Bannon or somebody was yeah. bullying Sean Spicer. I I would love to sit down and have a beer with Sean Spicer and figure out what 
not only what like what took him so long, but like what it was like and why would you bother staying? Because it feels like if you stay in that role, I mean, it's getting to the point where the whole administration is like this, but you stay in that role for a long period of time, you're damaging yourself. I think he was already damaged before he started. He's yep. like a like a big head. You he know was, what I mean? Like well, he was already He does have a big head, but I also have a big head. And Not like so that I kind of big head. Like, but he like, went in there with a chip on his shoulder. Well, and... he used to be the press secretary and the spokesman for the Republican National Convention, which is, you know, I mean, also a lot of scumbags out there, but it seems like after this job, you know what though, he'll probably get a job on Fox News. News. I was just gonna talking say that. head, he'll write a book and he'll make money. Yeah, don't worry about spicy. The world is so depressing. You want to shine here and he can get Well, I'm gonna humanize Sean Spicer for you folks. This is my favorite story I've heard from the it Sean should Spicer. Be oh, yeah, this he is should a good be one. jailed and shamed. <laughs> right. So Wall Street Journal report uh, detailing this long uh, road to his resignation begins with an anecdote that showed the press secretary hatching a plan to steal a mini fridge from junior staffers. <laughs> have, you, have you heard anything about this story? I have I've read about it, yes. <laughs> so Spencer, uh, Spicer, 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 I know, I call him, I had a teacher named Mrs. Spencer, sorry about that. Uh, so <laughs> Spicer dispatched... She a big head too? <laughs> she did have a large head. Dispatched a top aide to a nearby executive office building where junior uh, research employees were crammed into rooms surviving on lean cuisine frozen lunches. Uh, Mr. Spicer wants your inbox, the aide said, according to people familiar with the incident. And they, to their credit, I have to say, refused to give it up. They said, nah. So Spicer, instead of using that sweet, sweet political money to uh, buy a mini fridge, which which when looked up on a Walmart list in D.C. is as low as $60, he waited until after sunset and was spotted by fellow White House officials lugging the icebox down the White House driveway after 8 p.m. So... Spicer really wanted it's, it's a mini fridge. Like, the fact that he went at, mi- at night like a little mini fridge. It's so like, perfect. Out of it's just like, like I wish I could see a that. large-headed, angry man <laughs> stealing a mini fridge from the Trump administration at 8 p.m. after he gets fired is perfect. It's, it's everything. I wish I wish everything wasn't so damn serious because it's so funny. <laughs> like it's such a preposterous move. Then, uh, like, I almost want to say I respect it, but I can't. I can't go that far in this situation. I just kind of see him like sneaking out, holding it. Yeah. Like I got gotcha. you. Like, like no, the repo no, man. He didn't. <laughs> so he resigned Friday uh, after he was dismayed by President Trump's hiring of New York financier Anthony Scaramucci as his next communications director. Boy, uh, Scaramucci looks like a scumbag. Do you well, buy into obviously it? he is because of his. But like he's one of those guys you look at him and you feel the like just the grease coming off of him through the TV. So the only thing I think the only thing that's really downer for me about this Sean Spicer thing is that he never got to be our I'm done with this guy before he resigned. Uh, and I thought about making him He's his own I'm done with this guy. He's his own yeah, I'm done with this guy. Uh, but this week's it was very clear. Oh. So uh, do you guys ready to get into this week's I'm done with this guy? Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to I'm gonna do something special. This week's I'm done with this guy. I'm done with this guy is going to be uh, Claudia Tinney. Uh, you know, and I know that you're saying, you know, well, she's a lady. Hey, listen, ladies can be I'm done with these guys. 2017, baby. And as a progressive liberal, I think it's only fair I that I, you know, give Claudia the honor of being our first ever female. I'm done with this guy. So uh, she hit back at our... Our good friend... Uh, Get your said, points in before I start screaming. <laughs> Congratulations, Claudia. So, last week on episode 108, our good friend, uh, Assemblyman Brindisi, was uh, nice enough to come spend 37, 37, 35, 6 minutes with me in our apartment talking about the issues. It was really, really Wait nice. Wait a minute. Fun. He came and spoke to one 
of his constituents about the issues? I know. So Wild. weird. I've never heard of that. Well, he's and not fit for Congress. I know. Uh, I didn't even. No, he, you know what? I talked to him and it, via message, and he was over. It took three text messages to have him over my house. It was very quick. Uh, so, uh, Claudia Tinney, and one of the things we talked about during the interview is that Claudia, he really didn't want this to turn into like a negative sort of like smear campaign where they just start throwing things back and forth at each other. Well, uh, well let's, <laughs> let's start here. Uh, so earlier this week, on uh, Claudia fired off really hard against Anthony Brindisi and his family uh, against his uh, anti-Italian, using anti-Italian mafia slurs. Uh, she said that uh, she thought it was, she saw fit to bring up his career uh, as Assemblyman, his, I'm sorry, yeah, let me rephrase this again, I'm stumbling through here. Yeah. In a recent Jeez. interview with USA Today, uh, Tenny saw fit to bring up the career of Anthony Brindisi's father, who she claimed was very heavily involved with the organized crime in Utica for many years, representing him. That's the direct quote. Um, now, let me ask you a question. Uh, what do you guys think this has to do with Assemblyman Brindisi, the younger one? Uh, what, what do you mean? mean? Like, has not, what does that have to do with our current Assemblyman Brindisi? Yeah, he was four years old at the time. Right. Dad was, when all this was going on. Uh, so, not, nothing. Yeah, the elder Brindisi stopped doing uh, criminal uh, defense in 1983. Yep. So, in terms of, you know, and, and again, I've heard the Brindisi stories over my lifetime, but I don't know. Anyone who listened to the interview last week or has spoken to Anthony Brindisi, he doesn't really give off the. Uh, mafioso vibe no. necessarily he's and like a he's like a young family man he's a baseball coach i know and she kind of said too something along the lines of like judging hmm. him from his family that if you have a bad family you can't possibly run and that was when he went on yeah. and defended that hmm. on, i don't know if you have that i have the quote Do you want to hear ahead, uh, anthony's father represented some of the worst criminals in our community you have to question some of the things that have happened in his family voters make that decision i'm not saying anthony's a part of of any of that but that's the family you come from. Should I be offended by this? I'm Italian. No, you shouldn't I mean, I, be, but he should be. Yeah. I think the, anyone should be offended by that. Who you're? She's judging people. I came from a poor background and not such a great family. Does that mean I'm going to be like them? And I didn't turn out like them. It's very frustrating. Let me get this last quote out, and then I'll let you go. Use your seething over here, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> his background is significant. I can't tell you how many people have come up to me in my community and said, "Wow, I don't feel comfortable around some of the background that he has." Uh, Where the mean streets of Clinton? Listen, what? Here's the thing. Everybody who listens to the show will know that I believe with every fiber of my being that Claudia Tenney is a disingenuous scumbag and she's a poor ambassador for this area. I invite you, Claudia, to come on the show and debate me anytime. Get at me on Twitter. Every week. Um, but no, this really, like, all joking aside, like, I play it up, but, like, this is one of the... This is a fundamental issue. Like, so we're sitting here. We're over a year away from this race. Yes. You've been the congresswoman for, like, 20 minutes and your first thing you have to do is trot out the fact that Louis T. might have represented some mobsters in the 70s. Yeah. Number one, it was a different time. You're a criminal defense attorney, so you take the clients that come to you. Whether he was involved, he wasn't involved. Louis T. Brindisi is a very old man yes. at this point. And sure, that's Anthony Brindisi's father. But if anything... A, a, what, what can you really take about somebody's past experience and immediately start being like, well, his dad represented some guys who were affiliated with organized crime back in the 70s, so he's going to be a bad congressperson? It goes to highlight the fundamental issue 
Claudia Tenney has no ideas. She has no work ethic. She has no leadership for this area. She does not want to help. All she wants to do, and you can tell she's shook by bringing that up right off the bat because she knows Tony coming. But here's the thing. like She'll bring that up and she'll say that. That's, that has nothing. That doesn't give me a reason to vote for you. Don't tell me why not to vote for Anthony Brindisi. Tell me what you're doing, Claudia, that's so great for this area. Spoiler alert, nothing. And, you know, she the woman doesn't talk to her constituents. She's not involved in the area. She only cares about putting her name in the spotlight to try to leverage this into a higher position for herself. And it's disgusting and it's offensive. And I hope that the people don't buy it come November 2018. Because say what you will about the man's father. He's lived, you know, 70, 80 years. He's had a long life. A lot of people do a lot of things, see a lot of things. His father's not running for Congress. No. And if that's all you have, Claudia, you are in a lot of trouble Please come debate me on the show. Stop me. Start these are, talking. These are Somebody start talking. And Thank you. This and been voted in with, with people knowing that as a background. So I don't see why she even. Well, what's the background? You things. just say so. You represented like if you're a defense. She's a lawyer. Mm-hmm. She knows. So if you represent yeah. somebody who did white collar crimes, you're gonna do embezzling because you represented them. It's gross. Well, yeah, but her parents were judges, and judges are never do anything wrong. You know, only lawyers and people who represent people. They're the only ones who've ever been corrupt or bad at any point in time. Judges are impeachable. Um, so, Brandisi, of course, called this uh, a load of bollocks, as he's quoted here. Uh, he said bollocks? I don't know if he said that, but that's what the article said. Jeez. Um, <laughs> however, there was a former president of the local Sons of Italy who said, anytime your name ends in a vowel, people, it's fair. people think it's fair to take the mafia shot at you. It's really horrible. Um... I don't think what she said will affect this area. No. Affect she was totally... But do you not think that the idiots who... who you, you have to... Under, like, her voter base are these same people who buy into everything you hear like that. And you wonder if some people won't hear him like, oh, wow, wow, wow. Yeah, she doubled down on this. She was... Uh, when, when asked about what she said in his comments, she was, quote-unquote, totally unapologetic uh, and claims that the Brindisi campaign is feigning outrage in order to distract voters, which is... Projection in its highest possible form. No, it's the like entire art. The, the entire it's party. Insane. The entire party. That's <laughs> all they do is project <laughs> from top to bottom. I've got a guy that I'm done with. Tangentially related. Uh, I'm done with this guy this week. I'm done with Jim Zecca. Oh. Uh, yeah, Jim Zecca running for council at large. He's been on the city council before. Um, I heard him on the Keeler show earlier this week, and he's a dyed in the wool. He's a Trump guy. He's a Make America Great Again guy. He's a disingenuous dirt box who doesn't really do anything um <laughs> and he was on there and he was he was talking about he's like well you know i think it's i think it's fair to talk about this and i think you need to know about the people and this and that and it's like stop try stop being a leech trying to glom onto anything you think and get your name back in the spotlight because you've never done anything and i've worked personally with this man on yeah. community initiatives we've been on boards together we've put on events together i am done with this guy do not vote for this man vote for almost anybody else over him <laughs> the only person you can vote for him against is justin parkinson well, <laughs> the infamous one uh See, that's what scares me, though, is, and we sort of, I'm laughing about this, like, projection, all this nonsense that she's spouting, but over the last two election cycles, uh, the 22nd District has skewed right, and during the Hillary Trump one, it skewed farther to the right than it did during the Obama's Look last around. election turn. Yeah. And what scares me is that this sort of projection I, makes me concerned that it will work, because this is sort of like that big headline grab. It's going to be a tough fight. Yeah. Yeah, Especially because it's an, sure. old, a lot, an older group of people However, that are voting. However, well, the argument is, though, that Brandisi has run pretty much unopposed for the last however many times he's run because people really like him, and he is considered to be uh, a moderate candidate as opposed to a, like, he's well, not... Well, that's, yeah. that's, that's why she's trying to get out because this yeah. is all she really has. Like, mm-hmm. 
she went out there, not even the Italian stuff, but she's like, he's just a, a rubber stamp for Cuomo's radical leftist agenda. Like that's which is, she's just like the Trump administration. Those are buzzwords that don't make say, any sense, and it's also not, not true. When Cuomo no. refused to come up state to do his like state of the state or whatever it was, Brindisi held it instead and called out Cuomo for ignoring upstate New York, which sounds a lot like uh, rubber stamping. But I don't do you know, know much about. Do you know what's one of the most interesting things to me about this congressional race coming up? For the first time in my life, and maybe we're all just getting to the age where we realize that we can be involved in this kind of thing, but for the first time in my life when, when Anthony Brindisi announced that he was running, I heard four, five, six of my friends talking, because we're, you know, we, we grew up with his uh, chief of staff. We know mm-hmm. her pretty well, and people know that, you know, have that relationship. I've had five or six people come up to me, how can I get involved? How can I volunteer? How can I be involved in this campaign? I've never heard of a local election where friends of mine are trying to get involved and trying to work with a candidate. So I don't know if we're just getting to that age, but that's an encouraging sign no, to me. I'll, I'll tell you the truth, though, and I sometimes wonder if it's just us in sort of the insular kind of thing we, sure. live in. we talk to. Sure, in same our, but like, our circle. I, even outside of our circle and my work at like other places, I don't think that Claudia is very popular. I don't think it's just like me being angry about it. Do you think it. that has to do with her being a dirtbag? <laughs> I think that's a... Somewhat of a big part of it. I Interesting. Craven <laughs> opportunist, disliked by most. Disliked <laughs> like by most. Uh, let's get into. Let's get away from that. So, uh, Claudia, congratulations. Uh, I'm done with this guy. Congratulations. Oh, see now that's an offensive Italian stereotype. <laughs> I'm gonna call the Sons of Italy League on you yeah. for your impression. Well, first off, I don't like that she thinks that there's organized crime in Utica because there's no such thing as organized crime, guys. There never was. It's all a myth. Um, mm-hmm. All right, so let's get into. This week's interview, uh, Carl Merrick is, uh, if you don't know that name, uh, you may know his establishment, the local farm-to-table on 900 Lansing Street in East Utica. He is a fascinating man with a really, really passionate uh, uh, belief in agriculture and sustainable food and sustainable farming. Really uh, blew me away with his his knowledge and his passion on the subject. So it was, uh, it was a pleasure to have him here on the show. Uh, and let's get to our interview with Carl Merrick Jr., editing works it's all yeah. it's all the magic of editing my favorite right. yeah <laughs> when i used to do my so i used to do a podcast when i was living in brooklyn it was mm. a sports podcast i don't know if you're a sports guy at all any, any sports it used to be definitely like growing up mm. word word you got a particular sport you played i played soccer soccer mm. you watch soccer you premier league guy um i used to watch it all the time now mm. it just makes me miss playing you know <laughs> i'm a big liverpool guy i'm like okay. i wake up yeah. in the morning i like watch. arsenal you're an arsenal guy yeah. ah my roommate i was when i was 15, you know? <laughs> um, I lost my train of thought. I was getting into something about Brooklyn. What were we first saying? We just said something. Nah, t- see, this is why I go back and do the recording. Right. Um, so smooth on air. I know. This is the professional journalist that I am. 
See, and through and through the magic of editing, I'm right back to where I was. That's what I was going to talk about. Yeah. When I was living in Brooklyn, uh, one of the things we used to do is uh, we used to play music in between mm-hmm. the segments, which I can't do for now for legal reasons, right. <laughs> unless I own it. Right. Uh, but back then, we were trying to be like pirate mm-hmm. radio. But you'd have to like put music on, and the show isn't recorded that way. So through the magic of editing, you'd have to pretend like right. you just listened to something that yeah. wasn't really there. It's like, hey, that song was <laughs> awesome. Right. Yeah, that was that was great, man. Uh, Carl Merrick Jr., uh, welcome to welcome to the Uticast. It's well, thanks pleasure. so much for having me. Uh, I, I saw your byline when I was looking at your page. You are the owner and chef. Is that the title you Correct. gave yourself? Owner and chef at the that local. is the title I gave myself. <laughs> <laughs> is it just? Now I gotta ask right off the bat. Are you just? Is just you? The- I own it with a cousin of mine. Sure. Uh, sure. So he's a city employee, mm-hmm. kind of absent from the day to day business, sure. but uh, is kind of the driving force in recovering the building and all the renovations that happened. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, so it's an honor to have you on. I'm very happy to talk to you. Um, I'm I appreciate you making the very long trek here yes. from South Utica yes. <laughs> to, to our <laughs> studio. Uh, and I guess I'll start out with the most important question. Uh, Junior, huh? How's that working out for you? Oh, Is, yeah. It's, it's good. <laughs> I didn't know if I should refer to you as Junior in the title. Do you prefer um, not being called Junior? I mean, I'm pretty indifferent to it, really. It's, <laughs> okay. it's just a little add-on. <laughs> well, I was curious. I, Carl Merrick Plus, you know. Because my, okay, so I, my dad has a different first name than me, but everyone okay. calls him Sam. Right. So as a kid, I always assumed, why am I not Sam Junior? He's like, well, because I'm not really named. Sam. So I got away from being the junior, but I sort of feel like there's a lot of good juniors. We're going to get to that later on. Uh, I do want to ask you some real questions that you, since you came over here and not just hassle you about your name. Uh, so I want to start here. Before we get into the local farm to table, uh, I want to talk about you. I did a little bit of research. You are from Westernville, New York initially? Correct. And yeah. that is a hamlet, which I had to look up what that was. Right. Uh, when did you come, what was growing up in Westernville like? Um, pretty isolated, really. Yeah, I was going to um, ask you about that a little bit. You there's at... no riding my bike over to my friend's house, really. really? Cause it's that kind of distance. I, I think it'd be like hours, you know, wow, on the really? bike. But, you know, you really had to beg for a ride. Wow, so were you, were you just used to being like, did you have brothers and sisters? Uh, I was an only child as well, so I spent a lot of time hanging out with older cousins. Um, mm-hmm. I grew up in a small kind of farming family community where Mm -hmm. everyone still lived relatively close to each other so there was always people around even though I was an only child did you pretty much know everyone around you as well um growing up yeah definitely um my family kind of has a farm that has sprouted multiple other farms around it Mm -hmm. um and we just kind of have a little pocket of our own community in a sense uh growing up it was really interesting um that kind of life juxtaposed to you know the globalizing world it was still thriving in the 90s we were we had something called a coffee break oh. where uh, <laughs> every morning family members would stop into what used to be the original farmhouse mm-hmm. and just kind of update each other on how the work's going yeah. coordinate talk about weather you know but it was very communal in that sense you know one pot of coffee and it's on every morning if you want to stop in. Now, what's fascinating about this to me is I grew up in sort of the suburbs, and I sort of remember, like, being kind of negative about stuff that was sort of outdoorsy mm-hmm. and out in the woods. We would go to, like, my family camp, and I would just be like, this is lame. I don't want to be here. This right, is my friend. Right. But as I get older, I look back, and I'm like, man, those are stupid. Those times were cool. I wish I had yeah. appreciated it. At a younger age, did you appreciate the isolation? Well... The, not isolation, necessarily, but sort of living out in that um, lifestyle? Well, my parents got divorced when I was in fifth grade, so I kind of had a little bit of a view of both worlds, 
growing up in the country, like a little country boy running around Mm. with my dog, Mm. you know, you had those advantages, but I didn't have cable, Mm. you know, uh, so moving into more of a suburban life scares kids these days. And, uh, yeah, I, (laughs) I had a whole new outlet in media Mm. that really wasn't available before. I just had videos and then daytime TV. Well, I, I congratulations on being a member of the Divorce Child Club along with myself. Uh, fifth grade, I'm trying to think. You were probably right around the same age I was. Are you still close with, like, are you, are you close to both parents still? Um, my father has passed away. Oh, I'm sorry to hear uh, that. I'm very sorry. Yeah, he is the, um, kind of my uh, connection to agriculture. Interesting. As he was mm. a dairy farmer, his father was a dairy farmer. In Westernville? In oh, Westernville, wow. yeah. So Amazing. I've kind of tried to take the torch in my own direction mm. and, um... I have a small organic kind of vegetable operation right now. Mm-hmm. It's really just my hobby and my outlet for, you know, what I do after work, really. Um, but it does fuel some of the uh, vegetables that go into the local. So how long were you in Westernville? You were there through, like, high school? and? Uh, well, my father lived there sure. up until he passed away when I was in college. Okay, so all right. I was always going back on weekends, and, you know, I was still involved with it, but I was kind of like... Uh, an outsider and like a city slicker coming back in a sense <laughs> as, as strange as that might sound <laughs> uh now how long have you been in utica necessarily or well let me see, let me see up to that uh, did you go to college as well or did you go right from yeah college? i went to st lawrence university up saint north lawrence. oh interesting so wow did you uh, what did you major away. in i was a conservation biology major conservation biology interesting yeah. now i always ask people this because i'm very curious uh with that degree did you what did you initially plan on using that degree for well, because um, I don't know what that like sort of entails. That, that. Right, it's it's a scientific degree, mm-hmm. so really, I intended perhaps to become you know in a tenured science position yeah. at like a nature oh, preserve wow. or really? for the DEC something like that. <laughs> um, but it would have required additional graduate school, yeah. and yeah. I mean that isn't really the full path I went down. Um, I really studied it in part because that's what interests me. I always. Sure. I loved watching Animal Planet growing up, oh, you yeah. know, and like <laughs> growing up in a rural setting, nature was my TV. So yeah. I definitely was deeply instilled with nature appreciation at a young age. So I kind of felt compelled to try and protect it. Graduating from high school, I saw that as um, something that I could get into that I wanted to make a change. Um, but coming full circle, looking at job prospects in a competitive market where you're not making very much, but you're going into more debt. And it wasn't really, it didn't really interest me to keep continuing to study. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I was working at nature preserves and uh, uh, nonprofits in uh, Albany area, Western Massachusetts. And I was laid off for the end of the season yeah, and think about that. I wow. just had to find a job for winter to keep my apartment. So I applied at a local butcher shop mm. that was kind of reviving the artisanal butchery and oh, yeah. with apprentices and all of that classic stuff um, just as a dishwasher. And I kind of progressed in the cooking industry from there. It's so fascinating to me because it seems like you, whenever I talk to people about food and in this sort of industry, um, Growing up, I grew up in, like, the restaurant industry as a waiter. Like, I was, mm-hmm. like, a waiter everywhere. I'd wait in, like, lowbrow restaurants and highbrow restaurants. Um, 
But I'm curious if you ever even had experience in, like the restaurant lifestyle or if you were just interested in the food aspect of it initially. I would definitely say I came into it from the food perspective. Yeah, the agricultural, um, yeah. That's really what interested me mm-hmm. initially was learning to be a butcher myself, kind of shadowing the butchers as much as possible so that I could become more self-sufficient on eventually what I saw as my farm project in the future. Okay. So I wanted to pick up those skills, um, but I realized that cooking is kind of a vital part of marketing local mm-hmm. produce at this point as yeah. we're losing our culinary skills. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not something that people are doing in the homes anymore. So, yeah, I I feel like there's not an excitement to cook in a lot of right. People. It's just in my age. There's a lot of like it's kind of like um, magic that happens <laughs> that people don't really think they're <laughs> capable of. Yeah, I can't believe. Well, that's where I feel like a, a like I don't you know I've never tried it before, but that's where I feel like a company like a Blue Apron type company mm-hmm. they're smart to do it because right. like. There is probably an audience for people who are interested in cooking but don't know... It, it sort of empowers them to take yeah. the next step. And I don't know anything about that. I'm not trying to like mm. promote them or anything. I don't know yeah. crap about Blue Apron. But I'm just saying right. it doesn't surprise me that people use that product, right? Definitely. It's it's catering to the way our society has changed. Yeah. That's fascinating. I, I'm, I've got a good head on your shoulders there. <laughs> now, I want to ask you. I was doing some research. Uh, this name, Lone Rock Ranch, showed up. Is that your right. farm? So that is my little farm project. Oh, um, nice. Great name, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> I have a large glacial dropped boulder that's maybe 12 feet high. So mm. it is a good icon kind of mascot to have for us. But Wonderful. Mainly I have four little goats running around in a pasture that I'm trying to keep out of my garden. <laughs> it's my biggest challenge. Now, uh... I didn't, uh, as I said, I'm a professional journalist, but I did not look at exactly the first opening date. When did you guys open ground it? So we kind of have had a funny start. We Mm -hmm. opened in May of 2016. May of 2016. Which I believe is last year. Yeah, everybody. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) we we didn't really have a uh, grand opening. We Mm -hmm. had like a... What do, what do they call it? A ribbon-cutting ceremony. Yes. Yeah, ribbon-cutting. Oh, in nice. uh, September, so six months later. Uh, um, so, you know, we were kind of slowly remodeling the building, mm. um, tweaking our business, kind of building up the infrastructure to support more customers because we are kind of self-funded. And you guys are at 900 Lansing Street. Uh, I love that you guys are in East Utica. Um, growing up, for me, I my grandparents owned a hardware store on Webster Ave, not that far away from where you guys are. And uh, I always liked East Utica growing up, and I think East Utica sometimes gets ignored when yeah. people talk about like, yeah. the Utica rebuilding experience, Utica right. renaissance It seems experience. just like a kind of forgotten residential yeah. area. And I love that building. You have that, you're in the old uh, East Utica Library building, Correct. which is a beautiful building, and everyone who's been... Uh, to your establishment knows when they walk right in. It's very, very distinctive and very beautiful. Did you know right when you walked in that building you wanted it? Well, <laughs> the first time I walked in was maybe the fifth time my cousin had seen the building himself. Mm, sure. And it was definitely an entirely different aesthetic going on. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. We had The flooring had three layers of linoleum over it, so none of the hardwood floors were exposed. Mm. And there was fluorescent tube lighting overhead. So totally different. It it was very much that uh, cheap middle school library aesthetic. Ah, yes. Classic. Um, So (laughs) the nineties kids would have loved it. You had a nice niche there. Yeah. (laughs) Um, My cousin had been looking for a long time to buy a building in Utica Mm. and he wanted a brick building. 
And he saw this building had a lot of history and was kind of just thrown to the side as it lost funding. Um, So... I lost the train of my thought. No, it's not Louisville, please, yeah. Um, Where was I even going? We were talking about that building down on uh, on Lansing Street. Like, finding... Now, well, I was curious about something about that building, though, anyway. Um, I think that, you know, that's an area we talked about. It's a little bit ignored Mm -hmm. in the... Like the development of the area, do you? I think it's important that you like went to that building, right? Like it's sort of. I think, you... like you said, it has so much history in the community mm, there yeah. that you know it is a rallying point. I mm. could see that definitely. No, it's good though. Like it, that is an area that you know my parents grew up in that area mm-hmm. growing up, and my mom always talks about like the glory days of like growing right. up in East Utica yeah. and how much she loved it. And you know, I don't necessarily think that for a long time East Utica had that sort of feeling about it sometimes or doesn't right. not maybe not about itself right right uh i just know i thought it was great and i'm glad that somebody, i am a bit yeah. of a transplant stepping into that yeah. i'm coming in as the farmer in the city kind yeah. of perspective <laughs> the farmer yeah um but yeah i definitely hear on a daily basis mm. people just being mm. so moved that the mm. library is still here and it's been restored i mean mm. to the point of people coming in and crying i've, oh, yeah. I've seen really, people cry it's really a beautiful feeling. <laughs> it really really is now, uh, I have to say, I did some research on your website as well, uh, and I found your list of core beliefs, and I really liked this, and I wanted to talk to you about it. So do you mind if I go through the sure, three lists? Sure, I liked sure. It. Let's refresh them. All right, so for <laughs> you, you can go to the website. It is thelocalfarmtable.com. I got that right? I believe so. All right, good. Yes. Excellent. All right. Uh, so first core belief you have on here is we believe that everyone should have access to healthy food and the means to cook for their own enterprise. Did you come up Correct. with these core beliefs? Yes, I did. I did. I did. <laughs> And that is in part us moving into East Utica where mm. there isn't quite a food desert in the sense that there is a Hannaford's a mile away and right. they just opened the price right there. Mm. But generally people are buying from a corner store. Yes. Don't even see vegetables being available. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have trouble bridging the gap between, you know, the economic level of the neighborhood sure. and local premium products but well, that's a, we try and meet them in the middle as much as we can that's, to I make it accessible that's like a, a very american epidemic this idea that the affordable foods tend to be the things that are very poor right, for you right right um and how how do you find a way to make food affordable and healthy and appealing and that seems to be this the hard challenge the challenge for for crossing over on a mainstream level definitely Definitely. Um, because, you know, and that's what I think about. When I was working at Taylor and the Cook, I, I got an education about what it went into to, like, to, to work at a farm-to-table mm-hmm. location, to know these farmers, to know the quality of the product, right. to understand what to look for, and building relationships, which someone like a big bargain Hannaford Price Right store doesn't even have to worry about. They're dealing right. with, you know... It's a very inconsistent supply chain. Yeah. So you're always trying to be flexible, and you have to have a shifting menu just to kind of mm-hmm. try and adapt. Mm. Uh, so right now you guys are open, was it Thursdays through Sundays, 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. You're doing breakfast? We have night? just expanded our hours oh, as well to Tuesday and Wednesday. Oh, wonderful. So wonderful. just closed on Mondays now. Mm. So less sleep for you, Yes, basically. today is my nap day. <laughs> well, I'm sorry <laughs> to wake you up from your nap day. Quite all right, quite all right. Uh, do you have like a good, uh, I'm sort of curious about this all the time, like what was your, what's your process of choosing uh, items? Like you guys are doing uh, meat, eggs, dairy, and mm-hmm. produce. Am I, am I correct on that? Correct. Like, uh, what's the process for you? Do people come to you looking to distribute their product? Do you go meet with farmers? I definitely have farmers coming in saying, hey, I have this, mm-hmm. you know, we'll have it in the season at this time. Um, it's really just like, leave me your price sheet, leave sure. me what you have so I can kind of just 
gather all of this information and put mm. it all together. You know, I might not order something from them right away, but I'll have that price sheet on hand for when it might mm. come into a menu, you mm. know? Sure. Um, but it's really just, I do a lot of exploring, you know? <laughs> if I have a chance, I'll go to the farmer's market, look around. I stop at all the Amish farm stands mm. up around my farm. I have things growing in my garden that it's like, well, these guys did really well. I'll try and add them onto the menu. That's cool. It is It is very flexible in that sense. Nice. Uh, I'm going to move on to the second core belief before I lose my train of thought. Uh, we think agriculture can be conducted in a way that is regenerative and not extractive. Now, uh, I don't know so much about farming because I'm a city boy. Mm-hmm. So uh, can you go a little more detail? Because you have another quote that I want to bring up as well. This is from September of 2016 where you said, Agriculture is one of the biggest conflicts people have. Uh, was it? I'm sorry. Uh, in our national world. Uh, changing the way we grow food is really the only way we can uh, we can moderate that. So you right. have like a strong feeling about like agriculture. Definitely. I mean, it's one of our largest mm. carbon emitters and yeah. just general pollution emitters. And mm. it is, you know, we have take up so much land area in agriculture yeah. that it's definitely going to affect our natural cycles as well as wildlife populations. Mm-hmm. Um, so rethinking the way we approach agriculture mm. and doing it in a way that can allow for better ecosystem services and availability to local wildlife um you know we may be able to do it with similar yields just taking a smarter approach Mm um on my farm i personally don't use any kind of off-farm inputs but my case is different than you know a larger farm trying to put out more things uh, it's it's difficult because every, all the problems you face change depending on sure. your scale. Um, I try not to make a distinction where, you know, I don't buy non-organic foods mm-hmm. just because there are a lot of great growers that, you know, to make this much of one product, you have to use a pesticide or sure. else it might get infested. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is difficult because... To get to a scale of products to sell to a restaurant, mm-hmm. you kind of have to have a concentration. And I do think to uninitiated folks, it's very confusing sometimes to like what is like a, a lot of people just read the label and think like I I guess this is right. Like I don't even know right. what I'm looking for. Sometimes there are so many like different distinctions like yeah. grass fed, pasture, yeah. organic. They can really be confusing, mm. and like. For instance, a grass-fed product is not necessarily just fast-fed grass, Hmm. which I thought at first, too, but it just means they have access to pasture. So they could have a heavy grain diet as well, but they are on grass. Um, That's, yeah, it's, I don't know, and it's always changing. The only, only things with certifications like organic have set guidelines that must be met but you know words like natural and all sustainable don't necessarily have anything behind them yeah so they can just use these words to kind of greenwash their products <laughs> yeah that really seems... confuses the whole issue yeah that's sort of like the scary thing sometimes like you look at like i'll look at like a tyson chicken thing it's like organic tyson chicken I'm like that yeah. seems like a seems right. like a, a oxymoron <laughs> and looking at like large corporate kind of yeah uh shifts you know, Whole Foods is bought by Amazon mm. and all these smaller organic companies are being bought by larger food companies because that's where the consumer demand is shifting. But 
these larger scale operations aren't necessarily meeting the like the benefits of having a small organic farm yeah. because they're using substitute methods versus you know a more holistic approach they're instead of using a conventional pesticide they'll spray it with an organic pesticide mm-hmm. so they're still using a heavy input system right that's less sustainable but it is organic now very good so I, I, I don't know I've just toured a lot of farms at this point and well, you just got to sort of, at a certain point, like, you probably know, you probably just go to and gut instinct after a certain amount of time. Like, you grew up on farms. You sort of understand what to look for, I think, more than another person might. Do you know what I mean? Well, I mean, just with my background, and mm. I mean, just growing up on a farm doesn't mean you know anything about organic farming, mm. necessarily in this area, you know? Just right, because there's that old school mentality in farming sure. versus the new age, organic, hippie farming, is as it's like seen a, in a sense, you know? Is there like a farmer rivalry? Um, I, I definitely think there is like that old school farmer mentality I'm into that sure. versus like a young, you know, right. I mean, I definitely feel that in my life, you for know, sure, yeah. trying well, to shift away from the family business to an organic vegetable farm. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Well, I'm going to write a novel about that. It's my new yeah. name. It's my name. <laughs> this, is, this is a very complicated and convoluted, oh, convoluted no. issue we have here. Well, listen, I want to, uh, before we get into the lightning round, I do want to hit you one more time. So you guys just said... Uh, Tuesday through Sunday, 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. Correct. Uh, and you guys are doing breakfast and lunch as well? It's yes. just doing market sales? Kind of all day long. All day long. And we also have uh, grocery items available, so ground beef, any vegetables we have in stock, eggs, cheeses. So it's kind of a grocery store and a cafe. We're selling everything we're putting on the menu. And that kind of comes back to the full picture of bringing accessibility to cooking yeah. and trying to empower people. It's like... Everything on the menu is fairly simple in preparation. Yeah. Where I could tell them how to recreate this item. Mm. You know, we have all the ingredients, you know. You can make it yourself if you want. Well, I think that that's actually one of the things that's the most, like, fascinating part of uh, the rest of the business. I I was going to call it a restaurant, but it isn't necessarily a restaurant. That's the thing that's the most fascinating about it is it's very unique, and you guys have done a really good job uh, setting up as its really unique, singular, special thing in a nice location uh, with a very unique history, and you've built a nice job. I really, really love what you guys have done. I can't, I can't Thank say you. it too much. Uh, go to the website, check it out, thelocalfarmtable.com. Uh, so, Carl, uh, I didn't really properly uh, think about the fact that you probably grew up without cable when <laughs> I uh, when I gauged these two questions out. My first one before you was going to be, who is your favorite fictional Carl, and who is your favorite fictional Junior? So if you want to start with either <laughs> one of those. Wow. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I've definitely been introduced to other Carls now that I'm older and watching, like, Adult Swim content. Oh, good. So, Aqua Teen. I had him down there for one. My other one was Carl Winslow from Family Matters. Okay, okay. Right, so there you go. Uh, and then Junior was obviously Junior Soprano, one of my favorite juniors. So that's it. So my, my pop culture questions were all duds. Uh, so I might as well just move straight through to the lightning round questions. Uh, Carl Merrick, thank you for being on this show. Uh, so let's get into it. Uh, if you could have dinner with one person... Living or dead, who is not your relative, who would it be and why? One rel- one person in... Yeah, living or dead, who is not your relative. Hmm. Well, someone that has really inspired me, um, I, Michael Pollan, if you've ever read any of his. He's kind of like a... 
He's a writer um, that deals in food and environmental mm-hmm. issues. Interesting. What was the name of that? Michael Pollan. Michael Pollan. Yeah. I love me a book. Yeah. I was, <laughs> I was actually introduced to him once really? as a yeah. dishwasher. Oh. I was like, oh, yeah. Yep. That's what I'm doing right now. Yep. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, all right. So are you ready? Lightning yes. round questions. Uh, Carl, uh, when you wake up in the morning, how do you take your coffee? Uh, I have a lot of milk in it. A lot of milk. Yes, because I'm probably skipping breakfast. <laughs> You're probably skipping breakfast. I uh, I schooled all. I work in the education field, and I school my school my students all the time. Like, you guys eat breakfast this morning. You're yep. supposed to eat breakfast. The most important meal of the day. And in my mind, I'm like, I had a cup of coffee and maybe yeah. like a piece yeah. of toast. Maybe agreed, agreed. tops. Um, all right. What was your first automobile? I actually had a small uh, S10 pickup. Okay. See, I love a small pickup. I'm a yeah. big fan. Uh, did, you, did you get hassled into making or helping all your friends move because you had a pickup truck? Uh, it was so small, I don't think anyone really bothered with me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, you may or may not have taken your S10 to see this, but what was your first live music event? Well, the first one I remember was, I think I went to OAR at OAR. the uh, Odd. Oh, nice. That's like one <laughs> large-scale concert event, I mm. recall. I had like um I don't want to say I had an OAR phase, but I definitely got yeah. at Christmas where I got an OAR album for Christmas. Um, there was definitely a time, I think. <laughs> it's a time for everybody. Yeah. Uh, all right, so uh, sort of same vein. Uh, give me one book, one album, one movie, or one television show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. Well, obviously I watched Game of Thrones. Are you a Game of Thrones person? <laughs> See... Uh, I am on the minority side where I'm not into hard yeah. fantasy. But have you been excited? And also, I'm a Twin Peaks guy. So right now, okay. when I go on Twitter on Sunday, I've never night, seen Twin Peaks. So. That's that's okay. I don't. But t- Sunday night is a landmine on Twitter for spoilers. So if I'm oh, not yeah. gonna watch Twin Peaks, and I know the yeah. Game of Thrones people would say yeah, it's, exactly. I'm afraid to do exactly. it. Exactly. Are you like? Um, are you still hard into it, or are people getting burned out? I'm kind of curious. Uh, it's hard. I mean. People, like, there's so I don't want to say spoilers. Well, I, my, I guess <laughs> my question is like I, I it, it is it is bloody and it is grueling to kind of watch. But my thing with Game of Thrones is I feel like I go on iTunes and there are now seventeen or eighteen different just Game of Thrones reaction podcasts and every mm-hmm. like there's a, so right. much coverage of it. I feel like everywhere I look, there's like a review of it and people breaking. It's a it, lot. Yeah. It's, it is. There is a little <laughs> bit of a crazy buzz. It's crazy. It's like Walking Dead was like this. A bit excessive, yeah. maybe. But. Is this the last Game of Thrones season? I don't know enough about this to know. Oh, I, I don't think so. I don't know. I, okay, I didn't right. read the book, so I'm not yeah, I don't super... Know I just enjoy the, the gore and the sex of it. That seems to be what everyone seems to like. <laughs> it's, it's just... <laughs> All right, uh, so I got one more for you. Uh, if you had total anonymity and you could choose any one, which game show would you be on and why? Oh, definitely The Price is Right. Price is Right. Good man. <laughs> Classic. Oh, that I got that show out in the country every day. Oh, dude, that's, <laughs> uh, my grandmother used to babysit me in the mornings. Price is Right was every day. Absolutely. Um, and uh, besides your passion for uh, local farm-to-table uh, food, your passion for community, farming, uh, give me one other thing that you, Carl Merrick, are passionate about. Oh, I love my goats. You're a goat man. 
They're my kids. You have a goat tattoo? You should get a goat tattoo. I should get a goat tattoo. Do you have any tattoos? So I have no tattoos. Mm, that's going to be my new lightning round question from now. I'm asking people Do you what have tattoos, any tattoos? They have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm tattoo. getting some really interesting burn marks from cooking, though. <laughs> Those are almost like it's almost yeah. like a tattoo. One looked like a shooting star. I kind of liked it for a while. That's pretty easy. You go ahead and get it filled in. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Carl, it's a real pleasure. Thank Absolutely. you for coming over. Yeah, I appreciate thanks. it. You can go back to enjoying your Monday napping oh, if you want I now. Appreciate I appreciate it. <laughs> Folks, thank you. Uh, we'll be back in just a moment with more of the show. No, I'm going to push him into his own solo show. He's going to Kevin can Push me off the show. I am the show. Oh, my God. This is all my plan. I'm just going to start spinning all you guys off into your own separate shows. It'll be the Heather show, and then the Kevin show, and then it'll just be the famo cast that no one listens to, and then I quit, and then you guys can take it over at the end. No, My show will just be about dinosaurs and wrestling. No one's going to want to listen to that show. No, they're not. No one's going to care. Uh, thank you again to Carl Merrick, uh, Local Farm the Table, which I really do, uh, we talked about it a little bit, I love East Utica, I grew up with, like, my, my parents, well, my grandparents owned a hardware store in Webster Ave, so growing up East Utica was, like, sort of nostalgic for me, even though I was lived in South Utica, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm, I'm glad that, you know, an area that's historically been sort of overlooked with new places and revitalization got, you know, I'm excited, because when I remember when I first drove there, there was soft opening, and I went there, and I'm like, oh. I don't know. I hope this works here. And mm-hmm. now everybody talks about it. Yeah, Everybody's going. Yeah. Well, there I thought that's awesome. It was a really, it was a really interesting interview from him. He was, you know, because you listen to all the different interviews, and a lot of times look at people on the show that like I know, I know what they do. I talk to him a lot. Sure. He's somebody where like I know about his establishment, but I didn't really know him. Mm-hmm. And when you told me, hey, Carl, who owns this place, is coming in, I don't think I expected him to be like so young. And so passionate about his stuff, and so knowledgeable about everything that he does down there. It was really, yeah. It's quite a thing that they're doing. And I told him that the fact that he doesn't watch a lot, he didn't grow up watching a lot of TV, really killed all my pop culture jokes and references. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't I, just I sit there and watch Schmaz on Inside Jokes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, I had like a whole segment. I was like, give me your favorite fictional Carl. Give me your favorite fictional Junior. And I had the whole segment. I was like, well, this is getting cut because he's not going to have anybody. <laughs> give me your favorite fictional Carl. And he's like, people should be able to source their own food. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, word. Well, <laughs> word. All right. Uh, so <laughs> thank you again to Carl. It's also crazy. I don't, did you talk about in the interview that he lives across the street and we didn't know it? I did. <laughs> Briefly. He lives right over there. You can, you wave can to him see his house want. out the yeah. window if you move your head to yeah. the side. <laughs> right. So uh, let's get into this week's history lessons. Uh, are you ready for this week's history lessons, guys? I'll go back to Claudia if we can. <laughs> go back to Claudia. All right. Uh, well, listen, for the sake of argument, I will try my best to do them in order this week, okay? Does that sound good? Makes uh, a difference. On this day in 1832, we're going way back for this one. It was the first recorded railroad accident in United States history. Well, yeehaw. <laughs> um, at this time uh, in, the eight, uh, in the 1830s, there were only about 3,000 miles of train track in the United States, although that did double 
Europe's uh, 1,500 miles of train track. However, well, the next 30 years, there would be over 30,000 miles of track across the United States, and it wasn't until 1869 that we got the Transcontinental Railroad, baby, going across the nation. We would have had that about 40 years quicker if they had had a Mark Piersmo to put in charge back then. That's true. If Piersmo was <laughs> available at that time, it would have been a lot of... Uh, so... Do you guys do a lot of train travel? you ever do Amtrak or anything uh, like that? Yes, I'm on the trains all the time. I used to, because I used to take the Amtrak to New York a lot. As you a kid. did. I remember coming to get you yeah. at train stations when you lived in New York. And I liked taking the train. It's actually kind of relaxing. Yeah, nice. I always enjoyed it. Because it's like, I like driving. I like having a car. But it's dope to not drive. Have someone it's else nice do the driving for you. nice to parking, going yes. into the train station there and have your day. Uh, all right, so. I do like a drive. I do like a drive, too, but I've tell you, when, when I get to New York City and I've been driving the whole time, then i got to drive through the city in my car. That sucks. Long road trip. Would you prefer to drive or be the passenger? Drive. Round table. Heather, you say drive? I always drive when mm. I go on road trip. Yeah, you control the music when you drive. It's a big, it's a big power play is controlling the music and audio. And the air and everything. I'm in control. Depends who you're driving with. If I was driving with you, because I trust your taste in music and content, I'd be very willing to be the passenger. But if I was with, let's say, Maiden Utica's Justin Parkinson, I would want to drive because I don't want—he doesn't listen to music. He, does he listen? To does he like music? I don't even know. Oh, who knows, man? <laughs> All right, let's move on. Wind out of my. Who would you? Who would you want to go on a, on a road trip with as passenger? I don't. I don't even know. Your husband certainly. Hus- that's what I was with. setting you up for your husband. Oh yes, Zach. We love you, Zach. Yes, <laughs> I want to go on a road trip with Zach. <laughs> All right. Oh, geez, that was convincing. <laughs> uh, on this day in 1911, uh, archaeologist Hiram Burgum, Bur- Burgham, Bingham, sorry about that, Hiram Bingham uh, discovered Machu Picchu, the Inca settlement in Peru, which is now one of the top tourist destinations in the world. Uh, when I was a kid, I took archaeology in college. I took, <laughs> I took like one class of archaeology thinking that that was going to be like the job for me. And then I learned what it takes to be an archaeologist okay. or a paleontologist, and I was like, yo, I can't afford this. <laughs> and you make no money to pay it off. No so. money to make it off. Um, Shout out to the underrated song Machu Picchu by The Strokes off their underrated fourth album. Good yes, song, it's Machu Picchu. Take a look. Uh, for those of you who want a little history note here, Machu Picchu, uh, some people, historians believe that it was actually a summer retreat for Incan leaders. So there you go. It was basically like the Miralago of the Incan <laughs> folk. Uh, there were these archaeologists and stories to guess and like, yeah, uh, I don't know, summer retreat. Yeah, this was a spa <laughs> for the rich and famous of Inca, of the Incans. Uh, <laughs> on this day in 1969, uh, Apollo 2 spacecraft returned to Earth after becoming the first spacecraft to land on Mars. When NASA had money. Mars? Uh, uh, the moon, pardon me. Uh, this fulfilled JFK's promise from 1961 that they would send an astronaut to the moon and bring them back safely. It took eight years uh, from the time he said that for them to get to the moon. Allegedly. Allegedly. Oh, <laughs> Who knows? Oh, well, it took them seven years of failing, and then they got Kubrick to film it in the studio, and then a couple years later they got there, but it was already happenstance. That's what I've heard. Kubrick's a great director. He was good. He was good. I uh, feel like the footage would have been more dramatic if they had gotten Kubrick. I think that's really the lynch yeah, been, <laughs> in their conspiracy theory is that if it was Kubrick, the footage would have looked mm. better. All right, so uh, on this day in 1982, uh, Eye of the Tiger by Survivor topped the U.S. pop charts uh, after featuring in the film Rocky Three. You ready for it? Oh, yeah. Number one song in America. 1982. This is what life was like in 1982. Oh, yeah. God, it does make me want to punch something, doesn't it? 
Ow! <laughs> I didn't mean... The video is beautiful. Uh, well, this is some bad radio for the folks who can't see Survivor looking their most 80s in this. Um, for those of you who are curious, um, this is actually the second song from a Rocky movie to top the Billboard charts. Uh, the first one was the Victor Conti theme song from the Rocky first movie, just the orchestratic theme song, which tells you where music was in 1977 when an orchestral soundtrack was number one. Survivor actually almost got another number one hit with their second Rocky song from Rocky IV called Burning Heart, which is not as good. It peaked at number two. Guys, Survivor is was a that popular band. the song when Rocky was training in Russia? Yes. No. That no. Okay, okay, okay. I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that because I thought that was the song too. It's not. That song is called Hearts on Fire. That's a right. different song. Burning Heart is the one that's like, in the burning heart. Oh. That's all I, like I know. That that's the other montage. There's a lot of montages in Rocky IV. But the entire Rocky franchise is built on montages. I just think it's crazy that Survivor, uh, who apparently Sylvester Stallone specifically went out and handpicked to be his band to come up with this song, almost got two number one hits out of Rocky movies. And not very even the popular good ones. movies. They were very popular. Um, this would be like the Let It Go from Frozen of its time, right? Oh, that was like the last movie. Something like that. Yeah. You have a your kids too young for no, Frozen. He's not gonna right, watch right, it. All right, all right. And uh, and my finally, kids <laughs> my kids aren't allowed to watch movies. Um, no. I'm gonna climb rocks. Yes, exactly. And, and <laughs> wear headbands. <laughs> if, create apps. Create apps, bro. Check out the Handshake app. Don't uh, want to turn it into a bunch of meatheads. In oh. 2000, let's get to our last history lesson. On this day in 2005, Lance Armstrong won his seventh then record tour de France. Uh, he then immediately retired uh, from racing. Uh, of course, this did not last too long. It was 2012 when the USADA dropped the hammer, uh, calling what Lance and his teammates were involved in the most sophisticated and successful doping program in U.S. racing history. Now, he went on to deny that he used supplements while winning his seven Tour de France's. It wasn't until 2013 on an episode of Oprah that he admitted to uh, scandal. So, let me ask you a question. Like, Lance Armstrong probably isn't a big deal anymore. He's just known for the scandal. But do you remember, like, when Lance Armstrong was, like, one of the biggest athletes in the world? Yeah, he like, can't. He lived strong the whole... The live strong thing. And, like, <laughs> and cover a Time magazine. Like, that... He was, like, an inspiration. We talk a lot about people who've had, like, falls from grace. But, like, I sometimes... Like, Lance Armstrong really was know. the dude. And everyone yeah. loved him. Is it really a fall from grace if people stop liking you after you make your money? I mean, he gave, he lost a lot of that this money. This is cool. He? Now he get now he would, what money did he lose? I think he stepped yeah. down from like the Livestrong stuff. He lost a lot of. I think they don't retroactively take that money. For take you, that though. money back. Yeah, they don't come to your bank and like take your money back because you've been disgraced. Like he made his money, and mm. now nobody bothers him because nobody cares about him anymore. Mm. I, I just, don't know. I just thought it was weird. I was blood watching. doping. We should get some bicycles and some steroids. And <laughs> you want to blood dope it up? The three of us can do the tour de France. See, if we add that in with our podcasting money and our headbanding money, we're going to be very rich. Yeah, doping, <laughs> so. bike racing, and headband money. And then we'll just complain about Claudia Zinni. This is the most liberal <laughs> podcast of all time. All right, so uh, we were real busy this weekend between uh, Get the Let Out and you went uh, with your family or friends reunion and your yeah. camping. And I was at the Vancouver's Grim Ferries at Independence Day. Uh, I can't believe I missed this, but did you guys know that yesterday night 
Uh, last night, Michael Phelps raced a shark on live television. I heard that he was going to do it. I, I had heard that it. was going to happen. He uh, spoiler <laughs> no, alert. he didn't win. It no. was a damn shark. <laughs> he did not win. He did not win. Uh, it was the main event of Shark Week, which was, uh, was, was this was Shark Week. My guys. how far the Discovery Channel has fallen. <laughs> yeah, I used to love Shark Week. Oh. I remember I remember a couple years ago when I knew that Shark Week had jumped the shark. What's up? Wow, there you go. Um, <laughs> it was a couple years ago, and I was <laughs> watching with a decent friend of the podcast. Podcast, our buddy Steve. We, Decent they, friend. They had Shark Week and they did that thing about, oh, we found the Megalodon. Like, it was very, very poor graphics. Obviously, a scam. He's like, the Megalodon's still here. And he was dead serious. He's like, this is all real footage. The Megalodon is out there. And that's when I was like, yeah, I think I'm done with this guy. Uh, shout out to GFOP, Steve. Um, so, who, who, to pull the curtain back, is in the green room and is very upset. <laughs> yeah, very upset. Uh, so, oh, no, don't. You guys want to know about. He pointed out it was when they did the live documentary about how mermaids were real. Oh, oh. No. he was convinced that mer- because that's better in his world. <laughs> he the told me the mermaids were real. So go ahead. Now I thought, to be fair, Phelps only lost to the great white shark by about two seconds. Now, and, and, did the great white shark know that it was racing? <laughs> dude, it's, I'm telling you, it's actually kind of fascinating to go look how they did this. They had a guy who's the real hero of this whole event who was on what was basically a bicycle. On like floating pylons, like like a jet, like a like a jet plane would be hanging. Was it Lance about. Armstrong? It was Lance Armstrong. <laughs> Making he was money. The money. Uh, he was on the Discovery Channel team, uh, and under the bike that's floating on the water, that the guy pedals is a decoy seal. So this guy is just pedaling a bike with a seal on the back of it, so the shark can chase him. It's the wildest thing. Uh, it's, it was wild. I also, hope he got paid. also <laughs> Michael Phelps. They gave Michael to to even the odds out. They gave Michael Phelps. I'm not joking. Fins, like prosthetic shark fins, so that he could swim with the fins the way the shark did. Yeah. Uh, he lost by two seconds to the great white shark. See, I couldn't focus because my entire sporting attention has all been caught up in in the ongoing developing Marble Olympics of 2017. Oh my god! Oh my god! I forgot about it. I haven't watched it today. The Marble oh Olympics. The Marble Olympics. There's so Sam. I, I came home the okay. other day. Right. <laughs> I gotta take my glasses off. I came, I came home the other day, and Sam's Sam's hanging out on the couch, with like no lights on. Watching something on YouTube that's called the Marble Olympics. It's what appears to be one guy, and he has this different event where like he races marbles, and like he's got different marble Stop. teams, you... and he films the whole thing and he does commentary like it's the real Olympics, and it's it's amazing. Well, where did you find this? YouTube. This is on YouTube. Yeah, uh, look up. Uh, we'll show you. We'll show you. Yeah, show you no, no, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> yeah, you really do. You wouldn't it's... think you would want to, but you really do. Kevin walked in. The, Kevin walked in, and he's like, "What are you watching?" And I was like, "I've been watching this for twenty minutes, and I can't stop. It's really." <laughs> and we watched it for like half an hour. It's truly fascinating. It's really, it's really good. Check out the Marble Olympics on YouTube, folks. Uh, I don't know who that guy is, but shout out to GFOP <laughs> Marble Olympics guy. <laughs> also, uh, shout out to GFOP Thomas D, who's suffering really badly today. Uh, Today, as always, yeah, he's well, he's always Thomas suffering. D, big time sufferer. Uh, after 32 years uh, with their new update, Microsoft is finally getting rid of Microsoft Paint. From I, 19- when I read that, I thought for sure it already was gone. I had no idea that it was still going strong. No, but- it's I. It's sort of come back as like a cult thing now. People like Microsoft Paint. Uh, I love, dude. Like, when I was a kid, oh, I yeah. loved. I was Microsoft an artist Paint. on there. <laughs> I loved Microsoft Paint. I didn't realize it has been since before I was born. Like I didn't know that it went back to '85. I guess I didn't give it enough credence that there were computers. Well, I don't think anybody then, right? was like paying attention to it back then. Well, apparently, with the new Windows 10, there'll be a new Paint program called Paint 3D. So it's probably the same kind of thing. 
I guess. Um, but I pour. Find a way to bring it back. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be hilarious when they bring it back as like an app that costs three dollars and somebody makes a billion dollars. Yo. Yeah, the not Microsoft Paint app. That'll be really good. Yeah, that's right, programmers. If you're listening, let's make some money. Zach. Uh, so guys, how you, we we've talked about Justin Bieber briefly on the show uh, before, but today we're talking about him because he was banned from China. Did you guys read about this? I heard about it. Not too I long saw ago. it. Uh, a Chinese fan apparently contacted the Beijing Municipal Bureau of Culture to ask why her idol, uh, Justin Bieber, had not been seen in the country for several years. Uh, she was greeted with a firm but friendly response. Justin Bieber is a gifted singer, but he is also a controversial young foreign singer, the Bureau told the fan in a statement. In order to maintain, in order, to maintain order, which is weird to say, uh, the Chinese market, uh, in the Chinese market and purify the Chinese performance environment, it is not suitable to bring in badly behaved entertainers. I feel like a lot of people don't give enough credit to how wild things are over in China. <laughs> yeah. They hope that his, uh, that Justin Bieber matures and then he can continue to improve his own words and actions and can truly become a beloved singer by the public. It's very, like, it's a nice way they said it. <laughs> they're, like, they're I never thought nice. of him as that bad of a... That's kind of what I thought. I, I was like, I didn't think of Bieber as, like, no. a dude who was uber-controversial. Uh, until he's I look, always doing controversy. Yeah, but he's not like it's just small stuff. You want to know? Like I looked up stuff. though. They've also small stuff banned. in America. Okay. They also banned Oasis and Lady Gaga to give you an idea of what kind of people are getting banned from performing in China. So Oasis, what do they have a DeLorean? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they just you got know, that first. This is, yeah. Don't get me wrong; those first three Oasis albums are unimpeachable, and they don't get enough credit. <laughs> but like, jeez. Uh, matter of fact, Lady Gaga has been banned twice. From the nation of China, her music was placed on a government blacklist in 2011 for vulgar lyrics. It was then lifted in 2014, uh, but then reinstated in 2016. So she's on and off uh, because she reportedly met with the Dalai Lama. So now you can't you can't talk about. Oh, well, the Chinese yeah, the Chinese government they, hates the Dalai they Lama. hate the Dalai Lama. I think so you got to sort of maybe reconfigure your priorities when like the Dalai Lama is like your big enemy. Yeah, he seems pretty chill. It's like one of those things where the Chinese government like, wait a minute, are, are, are we the bad guys? Are we the bad guys here? Uh, for you space heads out there, I know a couple weeks ago we teased, uh, we were talking about the Jupiter photos that we're getting back from the Juno spacecraft. If anyone got a look at it, it was really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if that whetted your appetite for uh, space footage, you are in luck. Uh, NASA is now uploading decades of archival footage to YouTube. Uh, they've already uploaded 300 of over 500 uh, videos of experimental aircrafts pushing the limit of space and aircraft technology. So if you're like me... Go on YouTube and look up NASA and all the dope uh, archive footage they've been putting up. And if you're really like Sam, go on YouTube and look up like some video game wrestling, wrestling video stuff. Game <laughs> stuff. Yeah, it's also a big part of it. Uh, so uh, last week, guys, we got into... Uh, remember we talked about the nuanced emotions that we had no words for? Yes. I liked that segment. I enjoyed that last week. So I figured I had a few more. Do you guys want to hear some more uh, emotions that you may not have words for? If I said no, would you stop? I mean, I want. We <laughs> gotta, we gotta fill at least two or three more minutes. So not, no, I want to hear them. Yeah, okay, all right. I mean, I do want to hear them. I'm just curious about my options. <laughs> all right. Um, so here's one for you, uh, and this one is maybe trying in in today's times. Uh, a state of exhaustion inspired by acts of senseless violence. Who's ever felt that one? Oh, all the time. Mm. Uh, that's called Kubiko. 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 Mm. Here's one for you, and this is one that what, I, I... What's Kubica? What language? Got a language on that? I does not have languages on the side. I'd have to guess. My guess is Japan. I would have to guess. Um, 
Uh, how's this one? This one is actually one that I, I hate to admit that I think about all the time. Uh, the desire to be struck by disaster, to, to survive a plane crash or lose everything, but like somehow survive like yeah. some disaster. Yeah, yeah. Right? I'm on an airplane, yeah. I think of that. I'm like, I'll crash, we'll crash, I'll be the only one to survive. I want to live and La- not yeah. be hurt. I'll be hurt, but not yeah. so hurt yeah. that I'm not so, incapacitated. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. But hurt enough to garner all the yes. sympathy money. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? Uh, uh, that's called uh, latchesism. Latchism. I suffer that big time. Yeah, I've, I think about that because I watch. I played a lot of Fallout. Like I'm like, when the nuclear apocalypse happens, it's just going to be Fallout in real life. I'm kind of ready. Like I'll survive through yeah. it, right? I'll make it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, that was weird. <laughs> uh, the tendency to give up trying to talk about an experience because people are unable to relate to it. You ever have that one? Oh, the live long day. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Never mind. <laughs> uh, Exhalansis. That's what that's called. So look that one up. Um, ooh, here's an interesting one that I've had, which probably is why I have a hard time dating people. Uh, frustration on how long it takes to get to know someone. Frustration on how long it takes to get to know Never. someone. Huh. Hmm. I mean, to derail, how long does it take to get yeah. to know someone? I don't know. Like, what do you I mean? Do you like hang out with someone like 10 minutes? You're like, I can't do this anymore. I just don't know you. Well, I think it goes back <laughs> with the legislism. I'm sort of tired of all my stories. Oh, or... so you hate doing it over and over again. <laughs> yeah, I hate telling the same <laughs> stories like, over and over again. Hi, so. nice to meet you. Blah, 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 blah. All right. Um, oh, here's a good one. This one's for uh, GFOP Cliff, who just happened to sneak into the studio. Here's one for you. He Cliff. brought me a jello shot. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I'm going to do it. Uh, Cliff, do you ever feel. I'm still going to send it. <laughs> Cliff, do you ever feel the frustration of being stuck in just one body that inhibits you in only one place at a time? No, because we're all eternal. Wow. No deep. Worry about it. And he got deep. Well, then he does not <laughs> suffer from onism, so that's what that would be. Uh, oh, and here's a good one for all you folks out there who have been stressed out by the world. Do you guys know what it's called to have a desire to care less about things? Um, yes, very much. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to laugh about this one. Like every day. It's called liberosis, so you can take that one home. <laughs> Keep that one in the bank. Liberosis, the desire to care less about things. I wonder where that one's coming from. So hard to say. Uh, well, uh, folks, we hope that we haven't uh, added to your achialism or your awareness of the smallness of your perspective with our podcast today. I hope that I made you very aware of your small perspective when <laughs> it's time to expand. Hashtag fire Kevin. <laughs> Uh, so thank you folks episode 109 uh, that is it for this week uh, you can follow Heather on Twitter at HeatherWise1 uh, you can follow Kevin at oh. underscore Kevin Sullivan he'd make a comment but he's enjoying that delicious jello shot it's too hot. Uh, you can follow me at SF Doom, but don't follow the show instead at Uticast. Uh, we are on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we are on MaidenUtica.com, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or you can download the Handshake app and listen to all the current episodes right at your fingertips. Uh, Woodstock lives. And that's it. I got nothing else. Yeah. Any of those avenues you just listed would be a great way for Claudia's people to get a hold of us so you can debate yeah, on the show. Anytime. Oh, Anytime. Avenues. She's Anytime. not going to come on. My mafia background is going to keep no, her listen, away. No, I don't want her and to We're constituents. She's not going to talk to us. That's true. That's true. Maybe we can have coffee. Oh. <laughs>